No taxation without representation. 200 years of exploitation in the capital of this nation. No representation in the capital of this nation. 200 years of exploitation. Give the people their right to vote. Someone asked me, was it true? The voting rights of the district were long overdue. Uh, that was Sweet Honey in the Rock with Give the People Their Right to Vote. Hello and welcome to Shadow Politics, an hour-long grassroots talk show which will attempt to shine a light on the issues that you care about. I'm your host, United States Senator Michael D. Brown, coming to you live from the District of Columbia, America's last colony. I'm joined by my co-host, Marilia Duffels, and together we hope our show will start a dialogue with America about the issues that are important to you and affect the lives of all of us. Uh, Unfortunately, we we had to pre-record this show, so you won't be able to call in. Uh, with with questions, but we hope that you will listen and uh, learn because we have an exciting, interesting guest on today. His name is uh, Jason Vanderground, uh, and he is president of Haven. Uh, he's been in that role since April 2021, and he provides overall strategic client and staff leadership for the firm. Haven is the lead agency, if you don't know, for the He Gets Us campaign, providing overall management as well as strategic and creative direction. Uh, Mr. Vanderground also has an MBA from Western Michigan University, and we're so happy to have him on our show today. Welcome, Mr. Vanderground. Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, Yeah, go Broncos. Yeah, go 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 Bronco. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, it's great to have you on the show. And let me tell you that for forty years, I've had a problem with uh, Christianity and politics because uh, I worked for Jimmy Carter. That was the first guy I ever worked for. A guy who is now ninety-seven years old and still teaches Sunday school. And uh, we lost God somehow in the Democratic Party back then. And um, uh, it, it seems that we've been struggling to try to get him back. And in the mean, meantime, I've seen kind of right wing Christianity, uh, you know, I guess what we would call fundamentalist Christians who spend most of their time proselytizing and talking about how we should hate each other and arm ourselves. And as a person that's read the Bible from cover to cover, I miss that part of it. I, I miss where Jesus says, get me an AR-15 rifle and, and and go to the border. So to see these commercials that you're putting out, and if people don't know about this, uh, there are these Jesus uh, commercials that, uh, that uh, have been on CNN, CNBC and a lot of other stations uh, talking about God and in, in 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 or talking about Christ, um, who's my God, uh, in in very practical terms, and I just think it's amazing. So let's talk about that for a second. Where did you guys? Why are you doing this? Yeah, so that's that's a great setup, and a lot of what you're saying resonates. Um, 
we had a group of people that came to us with a problem statement, and that, that statement will connect very much with you and your listeners. It was, how did the world's greatest love story become known as a hate group? And so, you know, myself, uh, a Christian for a long time, and, um, you know, studying the way of Jesus, and, you know, Jesus said, people are going to know that you're following me because of the way that you love and treat other people. That'll be the distinguishing mark. That is your hallmark. And, um, but I can even see in my own life how being a Christian has become associated much more with the things that we stand against, the, the, all the antis, you know, the, um, and um, I think Christians for, over, for long histories have, have struggled with how, how, do, how does faith and culture work together, and are they at war with each other? Does one supersede the other? And, you know, we're just finding, I, I think you would agree, we, we live in this world, and we also have this faith. And so we're constantly trying to figure out, well, how do we mash those two things together? What does that look like? And I think that is the, that's the, that's the art, that's the way of, of being a Jesus follower is to try to figure that out. And so that's what we set out to do. Well, I'm, you know, I'm just amazed when I see these commercials about God, Jesus was a gang member. You know, I think to myself, for a long time, I've realized that if Jesus were alive today, it's my humble opinion that he would not be a member of the NRA. He would not be a member of the Republican Party. He would not be a member of the Democratic Party either. He would be a, he would be an outsider, which is what he was, right? And 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 he he preached the gospel of love that very few people listened to in his time, did they not? I mean. The government hated him. And you point this out in your commercial. The government hated him. The people hated him, right? Herod says, says, do with him what you want. And they say, well, let's crucify him. So uh, uh, you point these things out and you put, it seems to me that, that you're describing him in real terms that people can relate to. Uh, so... Um, where and let me just say, as a guy that ran a communications company for 25 years, I think your commercials do everything that a commercial should do. I think they're informative. I think they're relatable, and I think they're easy to understand. I think you've really done a brilliant job here. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just like to throw that out there. And and some of the commercials, Jesus suffered anxiety. You want to explain that to us? Where, yeah. where, what, what that's about? Yeah, I think the the secret <laughs> to what we're doing is just, um, you know, we're we're looking at the experience that we're all having as Americans, and also looking at the stories that we can see about Jesus from the Bible, and just saying, where did they intersect? Where did he go through something that kind of we're experiencing right now? And obviously, the, you know, the the top two, you know. Sometimes we refer to them as felt needs, but the things that are that really trouble people today are one toxic relationships, which is a lot of kind of what you're alluding to in some of your opening comments. That with family and friends and neighbors, the relationships that we once had, maybe a few years ago, and the enjoyment that we got out of just commonality, and maybe sometimes it's around an Easter dinner or a Thanksgiving dinner or another event that used to be really enjoy and 
many times people no longer have that type of relationship with certain family members or certain friends, even certain neighbors. It's become toxic. And there's a real strain on people because of that. But the number two thing that felt need that people are experiencing is anxiety. And um, it's significant. And, and um, you know, so we looked at Jesus's life and said, boy, you know, the night before, the night that he was arrested and, and then began to go on trial and then was, was crucified the, the following day, you know, we have this account where he was in the garden, and Luke says that it, it, it was like he was sweating drops of blood. So we don't know if that means he was sweating so profusely that it looked like drops of blood, or maybe somehow the coloring became a little bit red. That can actually happen with the body as well. But Luke said it was like, it, it looked like he was bleeding. He was sweating so profusely. And I think he was contemplating imminent torture and death. And I think we know that he was he was also human. And so it would be natural to have some anxiety in that moment. And we're not saying he had a mental illness or that he had some kind of lifelong anxiety, but it certainly seems like from how Luke described them that he was experiencing anxiety in that moment. And I think many of us, we have other things that are causing us anxiety. As human beings, we can anticipate the future. We worry about those things. And so we're just saying, if that's something that you're experiencing right now, if you feel anxiety, there's a, there's a person who many people still look up to, many people who aren't avowed Christians still say, I look at Jesus in the life of Jesus, I believe he existed, I really respect the value system that he stood for and the things that he did. And you can find a common experience and something relatable that you went through. And so that's what our attempt to communicate anxiety was all about. Well, and, you know, I, I think that, uh, again, that's one of the things that I appreciate about the commercials is because I've always felt that uh, it, religion has become uh, that more like we're not no longer made in God's image, God's made in our image, you know, that we, that we put all these characteristics on the Lord that, uh, you know, we think, uh, you know, things like anger and hate and jealousy and, you know, rather than, than, um, see them in, 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 uh, the terms that he tested in the Bible. Um, really, I know you have some question you want to want to ask so don't let me monopolize things That's quite all right hello jason nice to meet you across the waves um and thank you for doing You're this welcome. it's a real treat for us um i i just have a a few questions for now um the ad amount is a hundred million dollars why that amount and how long do you guys expect to run these for yeah, so we we wanted to do something significant that that people would see, and so mm -hmm. um, you know it it makes this campaign one of the top few hundred advertisers in the entire country. So it's it's about the size of like Old Navy's campaign, um, mm -hmm. you know. So brands that people would really see, and you know we wanted it to be on TV in key moments, you know. So we just did a bunch of stuff, you know, with the during the NCAA tournament. We're running actively now. We're major league baseball games, you know, it's really been major sports that is driving so much of TV viewership. So we see that, you know, NFL football games, 
you know, basketball, college basketball, baseball, um, but also digital media. So all forms of social media and online media. And we wanted to be running at a level of presence where people would go, I saw it. And because what we're trying to do is we, we really want to have cultural change. And so there's two main goals for the campaign. You know, one is to create cultural change by increasing the respect and the personal relevancy of Jesus. And so that I think that res- the respect is so fundamental. It's such a key to human relationship. And then the personal relevancy between your own situation and what Jesus went through. And then we have a second main goal, and that's to call up Christians to reflect Jesus more authentically in how they love each other. You know, that again, going back, that was that was the main that was the hallmark that Jesus said we would be known by as as followers of him. It would be how do we love each other and how visible is that to the rest of the world? And so we're doing a hundred million dollar campaign. It'll run throughout twenty twenty two. We're committed to this for multiple years, so it's gonna be something that's gonna be happening for a while. And um we want to be able to move the dial on that and see large-scale cultural change where um, it's just about the respect and personal relevancy of Jesus and then encouraging people who say, I am a Jesus follower, to say, well, here's a, here's a way that you can affiliate um, and, and represent your following of Jesus. And we're trying to give people a, a home within the campaign that they can identify with. Well, it seems that you are. Um, do you want to go ahead, Mike? No, no, go ahead. It, it seems what um, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jonathan Haidt. He's the very prominent social psychologist. Um, he's done a lot of research on morality. And um, one of the things that he focused on is uh, the concept called moral elevation, which is um, that exposure to stories about moral beauty which is like the opposite of moral dis- moral disgust, um, <clears throat> causes a common set of responses like warm, loving feelings, calmness, and, and a desire to become a better person. And he called this moral elevation um, and has, as I said, um, re- done research on it, has shown even that feelings of moral elevation cause increases in milk production in mothers who are breastfeeding, which is suggests the involvement of um, oxytocin, which is the hormone that is released when mothers uh, give birth. Um, and indeed, also when we touch each other, uh, it, you know, if you embrace someone with goodwill and good feeling, oxytocin is typically released. So I just um, point to that as as sort of it, what is maybe it wasn't meant to be this way, you know, predetermined scientifically, but it's perhaps what your ads are, are achieving, which is very important in terms of the the, the human science behind it. Yeah, I, I think every day we're follow- learning more about the, well, I was just about how the spiritual and the relational and the physical and the mental part are all connected. So we certainly mm-hmm. are, you know, what we did is, um, to, I'll just, a quick comment to your, kind of your comment there. Um, during the foundational research that we did before the campaign, we we very much inquired about people's value system and mm. what was important to them, and especially as they thought about themselves within the context of family and friends and neighbors and interactions. And then we put different religious figures in front of them and said, you know, what what do you think? 
this person's value system was. And then we begin to look for the commonality. And it was very interesting because um, many people who are would not call themselves Christians have a deep, profound respect for Jesus and the value system that he represented. And the number one thing that they see in him that, they, that is also important for themselves is to seek peace. And I think that's especially important now when you think about the comment about toxic relationships, that people are looking for peace, to be able to make peace with themselves, to feel at peace with themselves, who they are, and to make peace with others around them. And they went on from there. The other three values that significantly overlap between the American population and what people see in Jesus is an approachability, a compassion, and just welcoming to all. And so those four values went together, and we weren't even telling them that, you know, this was, we're focused on Jesus. We just said all of these different religious figures, and we put Jesus within that mix. But incredible alignment between what people see in Jesus and, and what they want for themselves, and a lot around um, that beauty that you're speaking of, and, and aspiring to pattern their lives after the example that they that they did see in Jesus. Well, let, let me follow up on what Marilia was originally talking about and ask you this question. Um, there's a reverend uh, in, in uh, he actually is a bishop in New York City who's called the hip hop pastor, who is, is, is doing um, hip hop stuff with people, with kids in, in, uh, uh, he's a Pentecostal bishop in New York City. There's also a guy called uh, the rapping bishop, who's, uh, he, he, who's the first youngest Catholic bishop in America. He's 45 years old. Uh, and I read in the Washington Post today, there's uh, a, a rabbi here in Washington who's adding to her traditional Seder, Seder uh, prayers of uh, uh, connecting slavery in Egypt to what's going on in Ukraine. So my question to you is, is the environment changing? Is the environment more um, amenable to the stuff that you're trying to do? Is that part of your calculation that that you you see these other things going on as well and 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 uh, there are other people that are trying to reach out in the same way you guys are trying to reach out. I, mean, I think That's I think people question. are under a lot of pressure right now. If you look at the experience of the last several years and between the pandemic, social unrest, uh, racial challenges, economic issues, um, now geopolitical issues. I mean, there's people are just under a lot of a lot of pressure and a lot, and they're looking at. They're looking for answers, and um, we're actually finding that for many people, the um, the secular narrative isn't satisfying for them anymore. That the issues of the day seem seem bigger than the answers that they get through a purely secular kind of worldview. And so, uh, there's been a lot written about this, and so people are wondering, you know, where does how can I find some peace? Where can there be some satisfaction? How can I reconcile all the different things that I see in the world? And for many of them, the secular narrative just isn't satisfactory anymore. And so our research found that there's actually 54% of the American public would say, I'm, I'm not, 
I'm not a professed kind of total non-believer when it comes to faith. I'm not an atheist, an agnostic, uh, but I'm also not a um, a completely engaged, you know, Christian or in a particular faith. That there's a lot of people in the middle that are very casual about faith or kind of just skeptical. Like I, I don't know, you know, they're they're on the fence about a lot of things when it comes to faith, and so. You know, when you look at elections, a lot of times it's that undecided five, six, seven percent that really determines what the outcome is. In this case, you know, we have ten times that number of people who are kind of in the middle going, I don't really agree with either end of the spectrum, but I'm really not sure what I believe. And so that's why we think just having this conversation around who Jesus was that he respects you for who you are. You know, we have a spot called Dinner dinner Party, and it just says everybody's invited to the table. Everybody's welcome. Uh, that's how Jesus ate. He often ate with everybody. He was known for that. He was actually criticized for that. And so um, that's a lot of what we're trying to present to people is just this respect and to make Jesus relevant because so many people... Um, aren't really sure what they believe. We think this is a great way to, to start that conversation, start the process. Does the 54%, Jason, rep of the American public that you mentioned, does that represent a, a more, um, a particular age group, a particular geographic group of people in the U.S., or is it more general? They tend to be just a little bit, younger they they skew younger so not not only young people but they you know a lot of middle-aged people as well they they actually skew just a little bit more male um than you know not not a huge distinction but but a slight um and um uh so those are those are kind of the two things that really make that middle a little bit unique and, um, you know, that's why you can see, uh, you know, probably our best media outlet has been, uh, NF, you know, college and NFL football games. Mm. You know, and then you can see we're on, we did a lot of stuff around March Madness with the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, we're doing some things with baseball over the summer and, you know, exploring the idea of, 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 uh, of NASCAR as well. And what, what does that look like? So, you know, we're not doing things like golf and tennis and, uh, you know, it's it's really where you would think of kind of where middle America largely is. So um, that's that's right where people are who are kind of on the fence about all all matters of faith. Uh, <clears throat> what kind of pushback are you getting, uh, Jason? Are you getting? Uh, I I watch a thing on um, uh, YouTube, uh, some guy that has a podcast called The Bible Unfiltered. Uh, who is really critical of what you're doing because you're not talking about sin and retribution. And uh, uh, I'm not even I'm not even sure after listening to this guy how you would put together a commercial like he like he <laughs> would want. You know, the Lord doesn't like you repent. Uh, but are, are you getting pushback from um, fundamentalist or, or traditional Christians? We do get some, you know, and, and um, you know, some Christians are, are now, their main message is God hates you. You know, that that's what, right. but, um, um, 
we are trying to show a different way of affiliating with Jesus, so a way that we actually believe is is more true to the to the biblical Jesus. And so, um, one of the things that we do is we take every sing, every single ad that we create is based on Scripture. And so, you know, we have a, a spiritual advisory group that we work with, and we look at the topics and the scripts and go, where did we get that from in script? You know, the idea that Jesus was wrongly judged and applying that to today. So. Um, it's it you know it it's hard to make everybody happy right now. We're not trying to do that. Certainly, there are some people that say, "Boy, if you're going to present Jesus, you there has to be more scripture, and there has to be an invitation to an altar call, and you know you have to." But a lot of times, we're reminding people, it's like, "Well, how did God actually work with you? Did did somebody just give you this one choice, say yes or no to God, and if you say no, I'm moving on. I don't have anything to say to you anymore." Or was was God patient with you? Did he work with you over a process of time? You know, maybe you were young and you went through a rebellious stage. I I know I did. God stuck with me, you know, and I could see his work in my life. And so a lot of times we're just reminding people, like, this is a long-term conversation. You know, be patient. Remember how God dealt with you. Be gentle. Um, One of the things that that I had a pastor mention to me as we were talking about the campaign, he said, you know, if you really look at Jesus, Jesus was tough on the hypocrites, and the hypocrites were typically lifelong religious people. And so I myself, I came to faith early on. I've tended to feel more of the toughness because I've already said, hey, this is a way that I want to follow, but sometimes I'm not following it, and I need a little bit more stern correction. But for people who haven't raised their hand and said, following Jesus is a way of life I subscribe to, it's really gentleness that Jesus showed towards people like that. The woman at the well, the story of the Good Samaritan. It was it was this gentle and tenderness that people have a hard time now figuring out when to be tough and when to be loving. And But Jesus tended to be tough with people who had already kind of signed up and said, you know, I'm religious, I'm doing this way. He was tough on them. He was really loving towards people who were unsure or kind of still, still non-believing. And I think that's something that's important for us to remember today. So that's something that we try to remind people about when we get, you know, critiques from Christians who say, boy, you got to be really clear. Um, you got to be more clear and more explicit. But, you know, I, I personally believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think anytime the message is going out, there there's the potential for that to work in people's lives. And I think we need to be patient with people and give them time and space for the Holy Spirit to work work on their heart, and that's all we're trying to do. Well, I agree with that 100%, and, you know, that certainly has been my journey. I was raised a Catholic. We didn't, we didn't deal with the Bible. We, we had a thing called catechism, which was the, the Catholic interpretation of the Bible, you know, and when I was in college uh, studying political science, I had a fundamentalist Christian challenge me to read the Bible. He said, I can't believe that you're going to study political science and you're not going to read uh, a book that's influenced more politics than any other single uh, publication in the history of the world. And I thought about it and I said, you're, you're right. And I discovered Jesus Christ, which I never known before. It was all ritual to me prior to that. And that's when I left the Catholic Church. I mean, it it was like, you know, you guys, uh, you know, I decided for myself, and this is just my own opinion, that the Catholics didn't like women. The Catholics didn't like 
you know, uh, people that weren't Catholic. Uh, uh, we used to say, I was raised by my Italian grandmother, and we used to say, thank God she didn't live to see a non-Italian pope. You know, they, she felt like like that was a, you know, that was a job that should always go to Italian. So, uh, so they were prejudiced and, and, and racist. And uh, uh, so that certainly uh, was my journey. And I gave up organized religion until one day my, my wife was a member of an Episcopal church and she was feeling sick and she couldn't go to church on Sunday. And she my she told my kids they weren't going to church and they flipped out. They were like, what? We, you know, and so I went to see what they were so intrigued about because I hated church as a kid. And I found this warm, welcoming place and, and, and God came back into my life. So that's certainly my experience. I think the the 800-pound gorilla in, in the room, what Marilly and I both want to know is who's who pays for this? Who's, who funds this? Yeah. So our, our client is a donor-advised fund called The Signatory. And so we, we do all of our work through them. And um, wonderful people. Um, they provide all the oversight and, and governance for it. So they're the main client that we're working with. And then, you know, Haven's role was to put the entire team together. So we, we probably have about 100 people plus that work on this every day. Um, and, you know, we have a creative agency and a media agency and a PR agency and a web agency and all of the agencies and people that you would see on any, you know, top 100 advertising campaign, but it's all done through, um, the client oversight that we have from the signatory. And do they have a political agenda? Excuse me. That's okay. Who, Who are they? Are they just concerned Christians? Are they, you know, what can you tell us about, if anything? Yeah, I, they they support, you know, so they operate as a donor-advised fund. Uh, they, they work with high-net-worth individuals who, you know, are passionate about supporting ministries. And so you can see a lot on their website. They, they support a whole host of issues. They give away, you know, I think they've given away $3 billion total you know, over the, the life of their organization. And um, they've just been wonderful people. And, and the great thing is um, all they're concerned about are seeing the goals be accomplished. And so they've agreed, you know, they've here's the problem statement, how the world's greatest love story become known as a hate group. Let's do everything that we can to create cultural change by seeing um, the respect and personal relevancy of Jesus increase. And then let's get Christians to reflect that in how they interact with each other. And so that's what I love is that that's what we do every day. That's totally what we're focused on. And um, it's just been a privilege uh, and a blessing to get to experience that with them every day. These, uh, Jason, these uh, donors, it's my understanding that they're families and they're anonymous donors. Is that right? That's correct. Mm -hmm. Do you know why they're anonymous? I think that, you know, the main reason is um, we want to just stay focused on the campaign. And so um, it's the, the goal of the campaign and the message of the campaign. And they don't care to get any attention or notoriety out of this. Uh, 
they only want the objective to be accomplished and the objective we've been like, you know, just super transparent about. And so um, that's, that's why they've chosen to do it that way um, so that we can stay focused on the message and, and the ads that you're talking about and, and not try to get into um, any kind of individual difference that somebody might have on a particular issue because that's not what it's about. We're just trying, we've made, Jesus and the example of Jesus, the true north, and just nothing else matters after that. And so, um, you know, our, our, our challenge is to do our best to be true to that as we represent it to the American people. Well, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Jason, but uh, isn't that what Jesus says? Don't pray in public. Right. Don't 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 proselytize. Don't go out there and and do good deeds where everybody can see you do good right. deeds. Just do good deeds. Uh, so it I think seems so. To, yeah. Just yeah. Just keep you know, you're just a conduit. You're just uh, just just point point people towards my example because that's um, none of us are. You know, I don't I tell my kids, I'm like, don't do exactly what I do. You know, my wife, I'm constantly letting people down in my life. I'm human. I fail. Um, I, I'm not the standard. I'm not the thing to be measured against. You know, I'm just trying to point towards somebody who I really believe was somebody who, whose um, life and way of treating people, you know, I I really aspire to. So I think we're all striving for that and being careful not to make it about ourselves in the process. But it's something you got to work on, you know, every day. Yeah, as a politician, it, it, it's certainly a failing that I have. And I think it, of all politicians, it's hard. I think you can't get into politics if you weren't a me teacher, me teacher, me teacher kind of kind of person. You know, <laughs> you, you right? You want the attention, um, but yeah, it's something you have to uh, deal with. And uh, I try to do the same thing with my children, and 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 thankfully, all three of them have grown up to be like their mother. <laughs> and not like me. Uh, uh, you know, you, 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 another one of your things that really intrigues me is talking about the fact that Mary, who is, is you know, always been um, my patron saint, I think, um, uh, was a teenage mom. Um, that's, you know, I would think that that's pretty controversial. How did you come upon that? Yeah, well, in Jesus' day, most moms were teenagers, and mm-hmm. um, so were most dads. And um, so, you know, that that ad, you know, we ran around uh, Christmas, and it ends by saying, you know, essentially this young couple has this baby, and the husband helps to deliver, which, um, you know, we know that they were um, – you know, in the stable together, and um, there wasn't a medical team there, so Joseph must have been, you know, pretty intimately involved in that, in the process of delivering Jesus. And then the ad ends by saying, and he laid him in a manger. And up until that point, you think it's kind of just a story about this young girl, and she had a boyfriend, and she got pregnant, and she was scared, and um, Mary did have a boyfriend. They were betrothed, Mary and Joseph, where they were engaged. So, and then she did get pregnant. And we were really careful as they, they didn't they didn't have sex. We're not suggesting premarital sex. And you know, we look back two thousand years later with a lot of clarity. Um, but in that moment she must have been scared. And um 
you know, I've played that ad for people and I've seen them just weep because of it. And I said, what, what got to you? And, um, I had a woman say, you know, she was, she was in her mid sixties. She goes, I, I've been married to my husband for over 30 years. Um, before that we had sex and I got pregnant and we were terrified of what we were going to say to our parents. And she said, I never really fully understood that in Mary's story, you know, a different set of circumstances, but she must have really not known how to communicate that to her parents and to her friends. You know, what would they say? Um, Joseph contemplated putting Mary away. You know, it wasn't until he had a vision that said, you know, don't do that. Don't send her away secretly. You know, here's who this um, child is. Here's, um, he's going to have this name. You're going to name him Jesus. Um, you know, and I have a plan for him. And so they got clarity as they went along. They didn't have a lot of money. They were traveling on the road, staying in a barn and, um, her water must, you know, her water broke. And so we're just trying to connect with the human experience that they must've had and said, you know, and it's kind of a broader story. It's all of these stories are a bit allegorical and we're just saying, I think there's, the idea of youthful vulnerability and the unknown and not having a lot of resources and not knowing how you're going to solve your problems, not knowing how you're going to manage communicating to other people in your life. And we're just saying, if you experience that at any point in your life, or if you're going through that now, you ought to know that Jesus, that was part of his experience too. That's how he came into this world. And Mary went through a lot of that too. So we found that to be one of the, the ads that um, has been deeply moving for people. Well, I, you know, it's the thing that I like most about what you're doing, that idea that, that you're trying to connect uh, the dots for people, that you're trying to connect and, and put a, a more human face on all of this. And let me just uh, say for the, for the sake of transparency that, uh, um uh Mary Mary had a little help in that Gabriel came down and, and talked to talked to Joseph or that was his vision. <laughs> yeah. Right. And 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 getting a message. You know, I was I was asked when I was a youth group leader what an archangel was and I thought about it and I said, you know, I can only say there were four of them, but the only two I can remember are Gabriel and uh and um uh Michael. And they both, uh, you know, Michael cast the devil into hell and, and, and Gabriel was always bringing down the walls of Jericho or doing something else uh, for the Lord. And I said, so uh, they were kind of like God's hitmen. And I was taken aside by the reverend and told that uh, he didn't necessarily agree with me, but he'd rather I told the children that they were God's messengers. So uh, I was I was slapped on the wrist for, for trying to to uh, uh, put a human face on it. But but I, I, I think that's what I admire most. Marillion. Yeah. Jason, I have a couple questions at this point. Um, in your, uh, what, what I was reading about your ad campaign, um, the ads direct the viewers to um, go to the website where they can choose to either chat live or text for a prayer or sign up to join a, a, a group or... Um, click on to this Bible reading plan. I'm just curious if you guys are monitoring that and what kind of um, positive results you've had 
And also, um, will your ads evolve with time? Great question. Yeah. So, yeah, all the ads, the current ads direct people to hegetsus.com. And you're right. There are people, they can live chat. Um, and we get a lot of people that do that. We've, we are constantly having conversations with people every day. Hundreds of people chat with us every day. Uh, and then texting for prayer. So, you know, even people who aren't really sure about prayer, they, they don't, it's like, how, am I talking to somebody? Do I hear, like, how do I get an answer? They've, maybe they've never felt the power of prayer, but many people, if you were to say, um, especially if you have a personal relationship with them, maybe they've just shared something with you, um, something that's on their heart, and you would say back to them, could I pray for you? Would, you? would you like me to say a prayer for you? Many, many people would say, I would actually really like that. I would appreciate that. And so that's what our people do is they, they're just available. And so we get... Um, all kinds of prayer requests and people talking about family and friends and personal relationships and things that are on their heart, and we just pray back for them. And so, um, and then also connections. So sometimes people just want to have a cup of coffee with a Jesus follower that lives in their city that would just spend time with them and listen to them with no expectations whatsoever. And so, um, you know, we offer people that. We also offer people a chance to um, be part of a group where they can ask questions that people who are skeptical or kind of exploring different faiths or just wondering about things where they feel totally free to ask those questions. The one that people um, take us up on the most though, is, is reading. And so many people are saying, you know, I, I'm sure like you in your world of politics, where a lot of times people just, they want to go to the source documents and read them themselves. And so they're constantly having messages interpreted for them, but a lot of times people want to go back to the Constitution, go back to the Bill of Rights. And so that's how we've kind of said, you know, if, if these stories really intrigue you and you want to read for yourself, if you, if Teen Mom spoke to you, you could go back to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, where, where Matthew starts telling the story about how Mary and Joseph were engaged and, um, and what happened. And so if you're intrigued by what you see in an ad, you're more than welcome to read it for yourself uh, in in Scripture. And so we have a couple reading plans uh, through YouVersion. Um, and that's the main way that people have, uh, have been taking a next step on the campaign. But all of those ways, chatting, texting, connecting locally, you know, reading Scripture for yourself, uh, we're having tens of thousands of people take advantage of, of those next step opportunities. Um, oh, and you, what you is, asked a two-part question that you you were okay, asking yeah, about. Yeah. Are there any new ads that are coming out too? And there are. So there are actually some ads that um, some that we're just placing on our YouTube channel now, and that you're going to start seeing, you know, on TV and online. So one is um, one is a 15-second spot called Wept, and it just it shows it's pictures, very kind of somber, moving music, and pictures of where people are, are really sorrowful. And so there's a picture, there's a military picture where you really understand some soldiers have lost their lives. And there, there's a woman that is crying. You're not really sure exactly, you know, what, but you can see people experiencing deep sorrow in different types of situations. And it's just music. There's no words to it whatsoever. And it, it, it ends at the, at the very end of the spot. It just says, Jesus wept too. 
And so um, that's one that's coming out. There's another one called Canceled. And so, you know, we we deal a lot with canceling and um, canceled cultures. And really, I think that transcends the whole political spectrum. I, I think that's experienced mm-hmm. on the left and the right. Um, but we say Jesus, Jesus was the ultimate cancel story because, you know, at one point he was kind of popular and he had a lot of people following him. He started to say things that really irritated people. And... Um, they canceled them by nailing them to a cross. And so um, so we're just saying, if you've experienced that, if you had somebody um, who you were either following or was following you, and then something happened, something was said, something was done, and we've now said, we got to get rid of this, this person can't have this plot, they can't have this access, we can't allow this to go on any longer. Whether it's right or wrong what they're doing now, we're just saying that experience, um, Jesus actually went through that as well. He experienced the ultimate cancellation, um, and uh, and they killed him for it. And yes, and how long are these ads going to run for? Do you have a years years um, down the line of expectation? Yeah. So you know those those ads were were starting to rotate in for the summer. We also have another ad called Heartbreak, which um, you know if you've ever had the experience of you know, kind of going through the grocery store checkout line, and maybe you pick up like a Newsweek, like a year in review pictures. If you were just to flip through, a, like, what did the last two years look like? Mm-hmm. And what's, and it just kind of breaks your heart. You, know, you, mm-hmm. you just think about everything that we've been through as people together, and that's what heartbreak is. And it's just that it's been very heartbreaking what we've had to go through together as, as an American population the last couple of years. Many reasons. And we just say, if you're experiencing any of that, Jesus went through a lot of heartbreaking experiences as well. He's with you in that moment. But then we have a lot of uplifting spots. There's a new one that's out called uh, Hair Down. And um, we've been using it in like Times Square at night. You know, when people are just kind of out enjoying their family and friends. And, you know, Jesus was at the wedding and he turned the water into wine. And um, that, that was the way that he... Uh, went public with his ministry what was creating alcohol for other people to enjoy. And so not what we would have expected, probably not the way I would have written the story. But Jesus let his hair down too. I mean, the two things that he was most accused of were that he overate and he overdrank. Um, that's what the religious leaders accused him of doing. So he must have been doing something to enjoy himself at those parties. I'm not suggesting he was drunk. Um, but he let his hair down. He enjoyed himself with his family and friends. And we're just saying, if you're in that moment enjoying yourself, you don't have to think that Jesus wouldn't accept you for who you are in that moment. Um, and so certainly not advocating for drunkenness and gluttony, um, but we think he was probably wrongly accused of those things when he was just enjoying himself with uh, family and friends and neighbors and people he was really trying to get through to. So, um, you know, Jesus let his hair down, too. So we had, there was an ad that we ran in Vegas, not a TV spot, but an outdoor board, and it said, uh, Jesus went all in, too. And uh, that was out on the strip in Vegas, especially during the NCAA tournament. And, um, you know, so people are in that moment in Vegas on time, you know, and uh, experiencing all that Vegas is. And we just said, hey, the person that you respect and look up to, he went in all, he went all in, too. And uh, in a little different way than maybe how you're thinking of it right now. So um, we're trying to do a lot of different things with the campaign. Not try to be too heavy with things like anxiety or wept or heartbreak, but trying to find 
um, uplifting moments as well, you know, with the things that we're doing in, in Vegas and, you know, letting your hair down. And we have a, there's a series of ads that we ran in Times Square uh, a few weeks ago, and we just looked at the words at the bottom of the Statue of Liberty, of bring us your tired, bring us your poor, bring us your huddled masses. And we said, actually, Jesus welcomed all of those people, too. So he welcomed the tired. He actually said, "If you're, that's the only requisite prerequisite for coming to me is just if you're tired of your current life and you're looking for something different, like, I'm your guy. And um, so he welcomed the tired. He welcomed the poor. He welcomed the huddled masses. And uh, so that those are all the different types of ads that people are going to be seeing. And we'll keep adding every season we'll be adding new ads and just keeping it fresh. And um, there's just so many areas that we can cover that combine Jesus' life with what we're also going through in, you know, modern American culture today. Well, you also have an outward focus and not just inward domestically and outward focus to the suffering throughout the world. Yes. And maybe you mean that in a couple different ways. So I, one one way that we're taking that is, you know, we're we're looking at the uh, one of the stories on our website is about the experience Jesus had as a refugee, and um, mm-hmm. just how relatable that is as we watch what's going on in Ukraine and you know the biggest refugee crisis you know for most of our lives that we've ever seen, and uh, in internally displaced people and Jesus actually experienced that as well. You know he. He and Mary and Joseph had to flee for their lives when he was two years old. And um, if they had stayed, he probably would have been killed. And, um, you know, they left for two years, went to Egypt. It was a different part of the Roman Empire, but it was it was a different place, uh, different language, different culture. He had to get, a, you know, his parents had to get acculturated there, you know, and then they came back. So um, I think there's certainly a lot in Jesus' life where he would relate to what's going on today. Uh, you know, in Ukraine. But then maybe another way of interpreting your outward focus is we're finding many other countries are saying, we'd love to see that he gets his campaign, you know, come to the UK or come to, um, come to, to Africa or South America. And um, the campaign feels very relatable in other parts of the world. And so uh, we're just early in about what that would mean, but we're feeling the pull into many different countries right now. A lot of people are saying to us, man, if you could just like change up the voiceover and maybe a few of the pictures, but the concepts seem to be relating to people around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, again, I think that's the most powerful part of your message because I think Jesus was so accepting of human frailty and that traditional religion generally is is not. It's like this uh, guy on YouTube who who, who said it's got to be all about sin and redemption. Uh, it, it, it's not about being who you are. So I think that's really the most powerful thing you you got out there. And 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 God bless you for doing this work. I really think it's important. And thank you for being with us today. We're just about out of time. So I want to do a couple of things. One is I want you to give your website so our listeners who are interested can go to it. Tell us what that is again, Jason. Yeah, so um, it's the campaign name. So he gets us.com. You can go there. I think we've got about 16 stories, um, many of them we talked about here, but just all the ads have complete stories. So if you want to read about, 
you know, anxiety or being canceled or we have a great spot called being a good example, the pressure of being a good example that a lot of times parents and grandparents and other people feel. Jesus experienced that too. He felt the pressure of being a good example or letting your hair down. Um, so, you know, read those stories, experience the videos, and then um, no matter where you are in your faith journey, you know, be ready to talk with people about it. It's a national campaign that many people are seeing. It's a great conversation starter, and uh, it's something that we can use to relate to one another. So go to hegetsus.com, and, and uh, we hope you just enjoy all the content that's there. Well, thank you so much, Jason Vanderground, for being with us today. I wish you a happy Easter. And our listeners, a happy Easter. And this is a great day. Go to their website and listen to some of these stories. Uh, again, we thank you so much for being on the show. And we hope you come back as the uh, as this progresses over time. Uh, you know, uh, I have an announcement, and that is that today is our ninth anniversary of our show. Uh, we've been on the show for nine years. Now we're about to start our 10th year so. Uh, it's a big occasion for us, and we're glad we had such a special guest on on this occasion. And, you know, we always leave you with a song usually dedicated to the guests that we've had on the show. And this was a tough one for me because I'm, uh, if you know me, you know I'm a big fan of Broadway musicals. So I had to decide between Jesus Christ Superstar and... Uh, Godspell, and Godspell won out. So here's Day by Day, and it goes out to you, Jason, and all the wonderful people you work with. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Master.